With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Do not, do not, do not touch that dial. You heard the man, it's time for Fox Sports Sundays, we kick off the day with great exuberance, and we are ready. So please put your seat bags forward and your tray tables upright for takeoff. My name is Bernie Frattle. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios, and we'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, along with my savvy and capable crew. But it would be Bo Benson, Chris Perfett, Brian Finley, and Ricky Herrera, and tonight, Brian Fenley on the updates. They will all man the ship from our Los Angeles compound. As usual, we've got a full docket of topics and facts and figures and stories, opinions, headlines, rumors, lies. Well, not lies, but but you get the picture. All I know is we've got an abundance of subjects. So as they say of, well, as they say in Harold Stassen, Minnesota, let's get busy. All right, uh, a very famous quarterback this week celebrated a birthday, and not just any birthday, not just any quarterback. By now, I'm sure you figured out that I am talking about one Tom Brady, who on Wednesday, August 3rd, uh, actually, was that Tuesday, August 3rd? I guess it was Tuesday. August 3rd, Tom Brady celebrated his 44th birthday, and he's still playing in the National Football League, and I'm guessing at a very high level. But Tom Brady turning 44 just isn't a situation where you say happy birthday and move on. I was able to uncover five fun facts about Tom Brady that I bet you didn't know. First of all, since turning 40, since turning 40, Tom Brady has won more playoff games than five NFL franchises have won in the history of their franchises in the Super Bowl era. Put that in your pipe and smoke it for just a second. Since turning 40, 
August 3rd, 2017. Brady's won more playoff games himself than five NFL franchises have in the history of their individual NFL franchises in the Super Bowl era. And when Brady turned 44 last Tuesday, guess what? Brady, at 44, is older than 13 current NFL head coaches. <laughs> I love this stuff. Now, seven years ago, uh, Bill Belichick actually drafted Tom Brady's replacement. His name was Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, his name still is Jimmy Garoppolo. But since then, Brady has been to four Super Bowls and won three of them. Meanwhile, Jimmy Garoppolo's replacement, Jimmy Garoppolo's replacement was just drafted in April. Now, by the way, when the Bucs play the New York Jets on Sunday, January 2nd, mark your calendars, Tom Brady's opponent quarterback counterpart, assuming he's starting, let's assume he is. He was a first-round draft choice, I believe the number two pick overall, kid by the name of Zach Wilson out of BYU. Now, Zach Wilson was also born on August 3rd, but not 1977. Zach Wilson was born on August 3rd, 1999. So on Tuesday, when Tom Brady was celebrating his birthday, his 44th birthday, Zach Wilson was also celebrating his birthday, his 22nd birthday, not his 44th. So on one side of the ball, assuming Zach Wilson starts and assuming Tom Brady starts, on one side of the ball, when the Jets play the Bucks on January 2nd, you're going to have a guy who's exactly half the age of his adversary on the other side of the ball. Exactly half his age to the day. I think that's going to be very fun to watch. See, because for me, I want to see if Zach Wilson can keep up with his youthful counterpart. Now, further adding to the legend of Tom Brady, since turning 40, Tom Brady has started... Over 75 NFL games in his career. Started 75 games since the age of 40. You know, I did a thing about a year ago on first-round quarterbacks drafted in the NFL. And I think the average first-round quarterback starts maybe 44 games in his career. They don't always succeed. Brady, as you well know, was drafted in the sixth round. But since turning 40, Brady has started 75 games in his NFL career. Again, to give that some perspective, the only other quarterbacks uh, outside, or let's put it this way, the only other quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League to start a game north of the age of the 40, of 40 were Warren Moon, Vinny Testaverde, and Steve DeBerg. That's it. Three other quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League started even one game north of the age of 40, and Brady started 75. And all of them combined, Moon, Testaverde, and Steve DeBerg, started a total of five games between them, cumulatively for all of them. So there's your five Tom Brady fun facts as he turned 44 last Tuesday. He's older than 13 current NFL coaches. He's won more playoff games since 40, than five other NFL franchises have won in their entire history. Seven years ago, when Bill Belichick drafted Tom Brady's replacement, 
His name was Jimmy Garoppolo. Since then, Brady's been to four Super Bowls and won three. Meanwhile, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, his replacement's already been drafted. Trey Lance was drafted back in April. And when the Bucks play the Jets January 2nd, assuming Zach Wilson plays, he was also born on August 3rd, assuming Tom Brady plays. But Zach Wilson was born August 3rd in 1999. He's 22. Brady's 44. On one side of the ball, you're going to have a guy half the age of his counterpart on the other side of the ball. Brady started 75 games after the age of 40. Only three quarterbacks in history. Warren Moon, Vinny Testaverde, and Steve DeBerg. They're the only other quarterbacks that's out of Tom Brady to start a game in the National Football League after the age of 40. And between, between those three, Moon, Testaverde, and DeBerg, they started a total of five. There's your five fun facts for Tom Brady. The hits just keep coming. Oh, by the way, happy birthday, Tom. Now, what this does for me as we embark on what I'm hoping will be a very glorious, glorious NFL season. Hell of a lot of terrific storylines. How will Urban Meyer do in Jacksonville? Will Tim Tebow make the team? I'm going to talk about him later in the show, by the way. How will Aaron Rodgers do with what might be his swan song in Green Bay? I've been hearing about Matt Stafford being the savior of the Rams, and you know how that grates me. Nothing against Matt. I think he's a tremendous guy. He does everything but win. Which team might go last to first? It's happened in seven straight years. Seems hard to believe it could happen this year. You've got seven new head coaches. There's all kinds of storylines. Frankly, the vast majority of the news and updates coming out of NFL camps this week really is centered around one position, and it's important. I don't know if it's the most important position in all of sports. Isaiah Thomas once told me, he thought that point guard was the most important position in all of sports because one man with a ball in his hand could dictate the movements of nine other people. A quarterback needs a lot of help. He needs blockers. He needs a scheme. He needs athletes to make plays, and he's sort of the maestro. But still, the vast majority of the news and updates coming out of NFL camps has really centered around quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, and you know why. Kirk Cousins, and you know why. Cam Newton, no secret there. Mac Jones, that's an interesting quarterback battle that I'm, I'm probably going to be watching more than any of the other in the league. How many games will Cam Newton start this year? How soon will Mac Jones start? How soon will Trey Lance start? Now, I'm hearing reports that Trey Lance might start week one. No, I'm not buying it. No, 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 no. That'd be ridiculous. Look, we know Jimmy G has never been totally healthy, but they're 24-8 with him as a starter. The number one attribute a quarterback must have is recognition. Quarterback's a position you play with your eyes. You drop back, you make mental snapshots, you execute. You don't learn that day one. I think Trey Young, uh, check that, Trey, hey, Trey Young. Trey Lance, he's got an outstanding opportunity to be a very dynamic quarterback in this league. But I'm not, there's no guarantees. And you're really not going to know what you've got until he's had 30 starts because they'll know his tendencies. They'll know what to do. Recognition. I know he's faster than the wind. He's got a cannon arm, a will to compete, all those things. But you don't know what it's going to look like until he's actually faced live bullets. And not everybody can do it. So I've got to see him do it before I'm convinced. I've covered this game for too long. Nick Foles, Matt Stafford, you're hearing their names bandied about. Justin Fields. And then, of course, Deshaun Watson. How can you bury the lead? Deshaun Watson's been in the news for a year. And then... Poor Carson Wentz, 
He's been one of the lead stories in the National Football League this year for multiple reasons, and it extends throughout many layers. And it underscores a major premise when it comes to analyzing the NFL. I've got some interesting data I'm going to share with you because it's not just a quarterback. He doesn't operate on an island. You've got the general manager. You've got the head coach. And you've got the quarterback. Who's the most important member of an NFL franchise? And who, on that roster of the people I just mentioned, and the various levels, including head coach and general manager, is the biggest single indicator as to how your franchise will do this year. We've got some pretty strong data, and I'm going to share it with you. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more. Discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
You're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios here in Las Vegas, and we'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific and 6 a.m. Eastern. And we were talking about the importance of quarterback in constructing an NFL franchise and analyzing whether that is the biggest predictor on how well your team will do, not just this year, but in the future. But let's break this down because there are a lot of layers to this argument. Super Bowl aside, look, it's hard to think of any event on the NFL football calendar that has more hype than the NFL draft every April because the 32 teams, they get together. They're always looking to plug holes in their roster. They want to add strength and always the $64 question. How is it that you build a winner? How do you construct a winning team? There's a lot of factors. Common wisdom is that it's largely attributable to four organizational leaders. This is important. The quarterback, the head coach, the general manager, and the owner. But who is the most important? Now, most pundits say the choice comes down to quarterback versus head coach. And that debate has been actually particularly heated the last couple of years when Brady left uh, Bill Belichick. And people would, you know, I got tired of hearing saying, who's going to win the divorce? It wasn't a divorce, okay? It's a business uh, arrangement that ended. Um, they never took the vows. But over the last 23 NFL drafts, the first pick has been a quarterback 17 times. So that tells you how important franchises look at that position. And there were only two drafts in that time period since 1998, which no quarterback was picked in the top three. Quarterbacks are also the highest paid players in the game by a wide margin, both at the top and throughout the league's talent pool. Now, I mentioned Brady versus Belichick. Uh, A couple times in the last year, year and a half on the show, I've... Uh, on my show straight out of Vegas Saturday nights, I laid out Brady's record without Belichick and Belichick's record without Brady before Brady got there. And Belichick wins that argument. I'm not going to give you those numbers tonight, but I think I'm going to revisit that again sometime soon. You will be very surprised. But the coach does have a strong influence on all three phases of the game, offense, defense, special teams, whereas the quarterback basically just contributes to the offense. Furthermore, I think football coaches have greater opportunities uh, than coaches in other sports to make in-game decisions as the game goes on. Because remember, football has a stop-and-start nature to it. So obviously they have great influence on what the next play can be, what the next decision can be. Of course, they empower their offensive coordinator too, but the head coach is, is running the show, make no mistake. And, and it's very telling that in the only major U.S. sport where the league championship trophy is named for a coach. It was named after Vince Lombardi. Now, other people argue it's the general manager because they're the ones in charge of evaluating players and assembling the roster through the draft and through free agency, trades, all those things. And some people think the GM is even more important than the coach. And, of course... There are examples where you can make a strong argument because the coach cannot successfully implement the strategy on the field without the right players. Look what Ozzie Newsom did all those years for the Baltimore Ravens. Literally, over a period of 20 years, 25 years, prior to Newsom taking charge, uh, Baltimore won exactly as many games as it lost. But in those years under Newsom, the Ravens were 42 games over 500. They won two Super Bowls. Uh, you can thank Ozzie Newsom for bringing such great players like Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Terrell Suggs 
to the Baltimore Ravens, and he helped create Super Bowl-winning rosters. There's just no question. Ozzie Newsom was a rare human being. He made an incredible impact. So some argue the coach. Some argue uh, the general manager. Others argue the owner. There are some people that believe the most important person in an NFL organization is the owner uh, because owners establish the mission, right? They they create the identity of the franchise. They Then they're the ones that are selecting the organizational leaders, the general manager. They typically have input on the coach, not always, but typically they, they're hiring those people to implement their vision and the owners, their position to provide the resources and they decide the resources they want to provide to enable those people to perform at their best and develop their talents. So owners, look, I covered the Lions for years, and everybody kept saying, get rid of the owner. They'll never win. That owner doesn't care if they win. I don't think that's true. Uh, the Fords wanted to win. Uh, but to for some reason, they managed to hire people that couldn't quite do their jobs, and the Fords were impeccably loyal to their employees, their coaches, their general managers, and they overpaid them. I, I used to joke around that the, the three best things that can happen to you in life are get fired by George Steinbrenner because he'll take care of you for life, uh, lose a war to the United States, and he'll take care of you for, for the rest of your history, or get hired by the Lions because you don't have to produce and you're paid well. They leave you alone, and that's who the Fords are. So you could argue that perhaps the Fords, because of their generosity and their largesse, you know, they enabled what has happened in Detroit where you won one playoff game since 1957. The long and the short of it is all four roles are vital to success for every organization, okay? Um, you know, Jerry Jones is an owner who kind of doubles as the general manager. That may not always be a good thing. Uh, but if you look at all four roles, the quarterback, uh, he's the most important player on the field. But then the coach leads and determines the team's style of play. And then the general manager, he assembles the talent. But at the top, it all starts at the top. The owner sets the tone. He hires, he empowers the other leaders, like I said. But the question remains, as I asked earlier, who's the most important? What does the data tell us? What does the analysis tell us? And I was able to find some data that went back 38 years. The winner, over the course of time, Hands down, period, no argument. The quarterback. The truth of the matter is the quarterback, 68% of the time, more than two-thirds of the variance in team performance falls on the shoulders of the quarterback. It's interesting. It's not totally surprising because you see how much influence one individual can have in an organization worth billions of dollars, and it's the quarterback. Uh, why do you think Green Bay was so happy to get Aaron Rodgers back? And look what happened when Tom Brady left New England. And I don't want to hear any. Look what happened when he showed up in Tampa Bay. It matters. Look what happened when Patrick Mahomes arrived in Kansas City. Uh, Deshaun Watson is brilliant. Uh, and I think that, you know, they're already writing the epitaph for the Houston Texans when he leaves. So the quarterback, it shows based on the data in last 30 in 38 years that the variance in terms of good quarterbacks versus quarterbacks aren't as good 68% uh they affect the outcome of the season in terms of the games they win the owners by the way carry the least amount of weight roughly 11% 
you know, followed by GMs and coaches. This means a quarterback accounts for more than three times the variance of performance than than the head, the rest of everybody combined. The quarterback is the most critical factor in a team's success. The quarterback represents a substantial proportion of a team's performance. That's why the Jets drafted Jack Wilson so high. That's why the Jacksonville Jaguars could have anybody they want. They draft Trevor Lawrence. And that's why San Francisco drafted Trey Lance. Look, football has become incredibly complex and and much more dominated by offense in recent years. The NFL is is in the middle of an offensive explosion. And the jump in passing production, that's been the most jarring thing. Along with this evolution, it's become more important than ever to have an effective quarterback. Why do you think Buffalo just locked up uh, Josh Allen and guaranteed him $150 million? And And not for nothing, Buffalo is plus 155 to win the AFC East. That gives them about a 64% chance. They're telling you we don't, you know, New England's not going to do it. The Jets aren't going to do it. And Miami's not going to do it. It's going to be Buffalo. Josh Allen is the biggest variable there. Why do you think the Rams, Sean McVay, is raving about Matt Stafford? Well, he's trying to sell us that Matt Stafford's going to be the the missing link. And you know how I feel about that. So I'm not going to go down that road again tonight. But there's a reason he's telling you that. That is underlying, underscoring the importance of quarterback and the NFL. Quarterbacks, how about the MVP? If you don't think there's hype for emphasis on the quarterback, how come quarterbacks have taken home the MVP award 93% of the time in the past 12 years? And the first 30, in this 38-year study, it wasn't always that way. Uh, Years ago, the quarterback would take home the MVP trophy about six out of every 10 years. Now it's nine and a half out of every 10. This helps explain why everyone pays so much close attention to the NFL draft and why top quarterbacks drive as much discussion during free agency as well. The finding, this 38-year finding, also validates the league-wide belief and, frankly, obsession with evaluating and projecting collegiate quarterbacks despite the fact that, and this comes from a scouting report I once read, quote, no position in sports is more important or more misunderstood than the quarterback because NFL scouts, coaches, general managers, the world's foremost expert on football and football evaluation and player evaluation, they've been notoriously terrible at separating good quarterback prospects from bad quarterback prospects throughout the years. And so prioritizing the development and evaluation is number one for every team. My shorts aren't clean either. Back in 1999, I actually thought Ryan Leaf would have a better quarterback a better career than Peyton Manning. Now, I was biased because I had just seen him single-handedly the year before in the Rose Bowl on January 1st, 1998, almost beat the Michigan Wolverines, who won the Mythical National Championship that year in the Rose Bowl. Michigan beat them 23-16. to But Ryan Leaf was absolutely brilliant. He picked apart a very good Michigan defense led by Heisman Trophy winner Charles Woodson. I actually thought Ryan Leaf would have a better career than Peyton Manning. That's how hard this can be. That's how these evaluations can be. But if you want to gauge the relative performance, predictability, and potential of your franchise, of your NFL team, and hope for long-term sustained success, it begins and ends with quarterback. Not saying that GMs, coaches, and owners aren't important, 
But 68% of the reason your team will either win or not win is become is because of the quarterback. Coming up, LeBron James is at it again. He's so adorable. We'll chop it up and we'll bring in the crew. But first, let's go to the man. He's a busy guy. He was just back east last week. <laughs> announcing tennis matches, and he's brought back some souvenir tennis balls, which he's going to give away first come, first serve. See what I did there? First come, first Oh, no! Who writes this stuff? Oh, let's go to let's go to Bruin Finley with the latest. Bernie, I love it. And they In Lexington, they had all these murals of Anthony Davis. Apparently, he was a big deal one day at Kentucky. But, yeah, so the Olympics are coming to a close today in Tokyo. Bernie, one gold medal match that is still going on, and this is the last one to finish off the complete tourney and that is men's water polo the gold medal match is taking place currently and then at 7 a.m eastern time we will have the closing ceremony that water polo match by the way is between greece and serbia no score in the first quarter so what we can say bernie is the gold medal count will be won by the United States. They came through late and had to overcome China and did just that 39 gold medals to China's 38. And then when you look at the overall tally of all the medals, Team USA won 12 to China's 88, or 113 that is, to China's one uh, to China's 88. So a win there as well for the Americans. And a huge win for American women's volleyball taking down Brazil in straight sets to achieve a first gold medal in U.S. women's volleyball. And afterwards, their head coach, Karch Karai, spoke with NBC. This moment into words. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can. I'm just so happy for this team and these amazing women in this program. I told them not only are they badasses, but they are now gold medalists! (laughs) That was Karch Karai. You can tell he was fired up. Also fired up USA Women's Hoops as they get a gold medal taking down Japan 90-75. to That is seven consecutive Olympic gold medals for American women's basketball. Brittany Griner coming through with 30 points. She was sensational. 14 of 18 from the field. And finally, Harris English is your leader heading into Sunday's final round at the PJ Tours St. Jude Invitational in Memphis. Bryson DeChambeau, don't watch or don't forget about him. He is two shots back and is tied for second. He shot a 63 on Saturday, so he went low and he has his eyes on that first place finish. Speaking to a man who has his eyes on the money in Vegas, it is our guy. As I work the microphone back to him in Las Vegas, it's Bernie Fratto. Speaking of money in Vegas, uh, Brian, you know, you could bet the Olympics. And one of the hotly uh, contested bets was whether or not the U.S. would. uh, It was the over-under on gold medals. It was 46 and a half. Now, Steve Fezzik, his biggest bet was the under. And, of course, it was funny because Jonas accused him of being a traitor. <laughs> and, and, and Fez said, Jonas, I've got a fiduciary responsibility to my people. And uh, he, one of his biggest bets was the under in gold medals. You said they finished at 39, right? 39 most by any country. But, yeah, well, well below the 46. Right. 46 and a half. So, so there's that, right? We do know that probably 
I'm guessing upwards of half the people who listen to the show like to throw down a shekel now and then as uh, legalized betting is here. I'll tell you who's also here. He's never going away is LeBron James. And I, I don't care. Uh, this is America. Uh, speak your mind, but also be prepared for the blowback should you get it. And LeBron always manages to find uh, an angle to say something. The other day he tweeted the following, quote, keep talking about my squad, our personnel ages, the way he plays. I'm reading it. Okay, so it's a little clunky, but work with me. He stays injured. We're past out time in this league, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do me one favor, please, exclamation point, four exclamation points. And I mean, please, capitalized at four exclamation points. Keep that same energy capitalized when it begins. That's all I ask. Thank you, hashtag James wrote. Uh, nothing really wrong with that. He's pissed. He wants to prove to the world that all these acquisitions are going to be the reason the Lakers win another championship. Nothing wrong with that tweet. So why did he delete it? Nonetheless, it's apparent that James has been hearing all the chatter about the Lakers being too old or in a retirement home and all the jokes. And, uh, but it doesn't matter to me either because LeBron always feels he has to weigh in on everything, even if he's not asked. The question I have uh, and it, it, does this serve any fruitful purpose other than to continually underscore the fact that LeBron, whose legacy is secure, uh, but he's, in, he's very insecure and very doubtful of his legacy. He's needy. He has four rings with three teams. That's incredible. But apparently he has to talk his way into the lineup on a daily basis. And I saw an interesting stat the other day. It's not just a stat. But do you guys know that LeBron, he's been with the Lakers three years. LeBron, three years with the Lakers, he's the longest tenured Los Angeles Laker of the entire roster. Something's wrong with this picture. Be that as it may, what fruitful purpose does this serve for LeBron to do this? Now, I know that Michael Jordan didn't have Twitter and Magic Johnson didn't have Twitter. I'm just having a hard time believing they would have to go to those links with Larry Bird to convince everybody you're wrong, I'm right, you'll see. Make sure you keep making fun of me. Nah, 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 nah. we'll show you. I'm going to get you. Chris Perfett, did you, do you have any thoughts on this? I do. I kind of see where he's coming from in that. I, I, I disagree with you a little bit on his legacy is secure. I think you're right that it is secure, but to our industry, they will still continue to measure him up against Jordan no matter what he does, and I'm sure that's got a grade on him. As you say, though, Everyone's free to speak their mind, and he is simply speaking his mind back to an industry that has made a lot of money talking about what he does on a daily basis. And yeah, I I think that I don't think the age for the Lakers is that much of a factor. And I think some of the jokes about the age are a little lowbrow. But he's he's weighing in, as you say, it's it's this weird back and forth because nobody's willing to really sit down either between the sports media or LeBron James and just try to figure out the the core of the problems here. So this is going to keep continuing on until I guess we're all done with LeBron James. Well, here's the thing about his legacy. And I never, I refuse to partake in the Jordan LeBron argument because uh, it's like picking your favorite noodle in a plate of spaghetti. Bill Russell said it best. Don't compare eras. Don't compare ghosts. Yeah. Uh, all I've ever said, I saw both play courtside. So I think, first of all, if someone hasn't seen them both play courtside, you have to recuse yourself. But neither side's ever going to submit. All I've ever said is if I had to win one game to save my life, it would be Jordan, not LeBron. I'd want him on the floor. Having said that, when you've won three championships, two in Miami, one in Cleveland, and now one in Los Angeles, 
your legacy is secure. LeBron may have people that don't like him or they, they, they find him off-putting by the way he conducts himself, but his legacy on the floor I think is secure, although to your point, Chris, the perception of that can be skewed because there are a lot of folks out there that lie in wait to bash LeBron. This isn't that. I'm just trying to figure out what fruitful purpose does this serve, this tweet, even if you agree with what he's saying. Uh, Brian Finley, you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, Bernie, I, I want to tell you a story. I actually almost got punched by LeBron James, and this is a true story. So when I was working in Memphis, and he came, he was with the Cavs at this point, and there was the post-game locker room interviews pre-COVID where you had tons of people huddled around him in his locker room asking him questions afterwards. And I misspoke, and I asked him about his defense, and I meant to say something about his solid defense, and he thought I said that his defense was soft and he looked at me and he literally his eyes became enraged and red and I felt like I had to quickly correct myself because if I didn't he was about to come over there and he was and I was intimidated Bernie I was but I would have to say when and and he laughed himself off and never actually answered my question but that's rather here or now what I don't like about LeBron James Bernie is the fact that he's very emotional with his reactions. He doesn't think through things very often. And oftentimes I find him, I feel like I'm revisiting teenage drama at the cafeteria with him. And there's like, <laughs> you know, right? I mean, you, you, the stuff with Twitter and he deletes stuff. I mean, I just wish he would think through some of the things he says before he says it. He's a smart guy, but just take a little bit more time and let's not always emotionally react because because if anybody of us does that, it usually doesn't end up working well, and we end up embarrassing ourselves. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about him punching. I, I, I think you could take him, Brian. <laughs> oh, I think you yes. could. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Then he would tweet about it. Then he would delete it. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Bo Benson. Bo, what are your thoughts on this? And for, I, Bo, I know you're a big Dodger fan. I don't know how you feel about the Lakers. It's not about that, though. It's about, again, what purpose does this really serve to put up a tweet, then delete it, and then everybody's talking about it anyway? I think he's just sticking up for his guys. Um, the The one thing about LeBron is that he really is the ultimate teammate and – um, you know, he's letting his his new teammates know that he's got their back. And, you know, he I think he especially knows that Los Angeles is a, a much different media market than a lot of these dudes may have played in already. So he's just kind of setting at the outset like, hey, you know, they're going to say this stuff about us, but I'm always going to have your back. And, you know, we're going to we're going to ride and we're going to do what we can to uh, win a title this season. I think that's fair in terms of your interpretation, but. Why not just do that on the floor? Why not do that when the season starts as opposed to tweeting? Yeah, that's all I'm saying. It's just it's a different it's a different uh, landscape now too. I mean, for for as old as some of these guys are, they also brought in like a, a Kendrick Nunn and and uh, Malik Monk. So those guys are primarily on social media, and you know I'm sure that Dwight Howard is on social media and Carmelo Carmelo Anthony's on social media and Russ is on social media. So I think it's just a different landscape that a lot of people are used to and. It's a you know it's a it's a self uh, self feeding beast too because you know we've gotten uh, five days worth of content out of a deleted tweet by LeBron James so <laughs> well I think I, I accept your premise that if that was his modus operandi that he's saying hey guys look I got your back follow me on Twitter hopefully those guys follow him. they might not you know I mean. I'm just kidding. Maybe I, I, I think Carmelo we, might. Carmelo should, but the other guys maybe not. I don't Carmelo. Know. 
Good stuff, guys. Uh, we will continue to watch this and, and follow this. Uh, I am not hopeful that the Lakers, with that roster, the way it's constructed, with Russell Westbrook and company, you bring in a guy uh, that's a primary playmaker. LeBron's a primary playmaker. This is a train wreck waiting to happen. Prove me wrong, LeBron. Don't tell me. Show me. Hey, you might. We'll see. All I know is if either and or LeBron and or Anthony Davis are not healthy next year, that's going to be a whole different situation. Uh, they're going to need both of those guys healthy. And LeBron, he's not getting any younger. I believe he turns 39 next season. Coming up, I can't wait for the NFL to start, as most of you can't. And there are some interesting notations on the schedule. You might want to mark your calendar on as we climb closer to NFL kickoff Sunday, which is five weeks from tomorrow. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover has accepted it. 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. I'm going to take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific tonight and 6 a.m. Eastern ton of stuff to get to and the nfl is right around the corner you start to notice scheduling highlights for the upcoming season and one that reared its head because if you're an indianapolis colts fan this might send uh, shivers up your spine especially if carson wentz misses the first eight games of the season he's out between five and 12 weeks from what we hear if he came back on the short end of that observation it would be maybe week one week two otherwise it could be much later in the season why is that significant the Colts have the toughest first games of the season in the NFL based on their opponents 2020 win percentage and you have to look at that cumulative 586 however if they can survive that the Colts their final nine games are the easiest in the NFL which features a combined opponent winning percentage of just 382 big drop off the first eight games they play, teams won 59% of their games last year. In the final nine games, only 38%. The Colts' first five games, hold your breath, all against teams that had at least 10 wins in 2020. Seattle Seahawks, the L.A. Rams, Tennessee Titans, Miami uh, Dolphins, and the Baltimore Ravens. That is a gauntlet, but their finish includes two games against the Jaguars in weeks 10 and 18, plus uh, they get to play the Jets in week 9 and the Texans week 13 in their final nine contests. So if they can survive the first eight weeks, the Colts can perhaps find themselves back in the playoffs. I bet you didn't know they're going to be 15 
Super Bowl rematches in the 2021 season, including now some of these are a little you know lame. Super Bowl one, the, the thing that started it all, Packers and Chiefs. They play Week Nine, but the most recent Super Bowl matchup that'll be rekindled is Pats Falcons Week Eleven, and you know that Atlanta has a bad taste in their mouth about that one. Here's something. I hope I hope both these guys are healthy because because Trevor Lawrence will face Joe Burrow. When Jacksonville takes on the Bengals in week four and Tua when the Jags face the Dolphins in week six in London, this means that this will be rematches of the college football playoff national championships from 2018 with Lawrence and Clemson. Uh, Locked horns with uh, Tua and Alabama. And in 2019, when Lawrence and Clemson tangled with Burrow and LSU, the meetings, these meetings will mark the fifth and sixth instances of quarterbacks starting against each other in the college football championship. Then again in the NFL, doesn't happen very often. The last time was when Vince Young teed it up against Matt Leinart. Uh, one other thing, based on the 2020 opponent winning percentage of 64%, the Ravens will have the toughest second half of any NFL team this season. Seven of their final nine games, the Baltimore Ravens, are against 2020 playoff teams. Baltimore faces the Browns twice, the Steelers twice, the Bears, Packers, and Rams. I actually got high hopes for the Ravens this year. They open up here in Las Vegas on Sunday Night Football, and uh, they're laying four, and it'll be the first time we'll have live fans for the Raiders here in Las Vegas. Throughout the show tonight, I might revisit this. There are some interesting uh NFL scheduling highlights that you want to know about. But coming up, a star hockey player found himself on the wrong side of some bad accusations. I'm going to tell you the latest on that coming up. I'm Bernie Fratto. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare there's no distance too far for the perfect trip 
Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio rolls on. I'm Bernie Fratto. Come to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. 6 a.m. Eastern, along with my capable crew, Bull Benson, Chris Perfett, Brian Finley on the updates, as well as Ricky Herrera. They are manning our ship back at the Los Angeles compound. Last Sunday, mid-afternoon, uh, while... Aaron Torres and VJ Husky were on the air. They were on from 2 to 5 last Sunday, and then I worked 5 to 8 last Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. A major story broke involving Evander Kane, a star player, a star NHL player for the San Jose Sharks. And uh, immediately it drew a tremendous amount of attention. And I can tell you now that some details have come out, and I want to share with you what we know and what we don't. But this is a major story, especially when you juxtapose it against the fact that legalized sports betting is growing like wildfire in the United States. The NHL, currently, they're investigating allegations made by the wife of San Jose Sharks. He plays left wing for the San Jose Sharks, Evander Kane. His wife said, quote, that her husband bet on hockey games and compromise games for gambling purposes. Now, that was her, that was her allegation. Now, Vander Kane has vehemently denied these claims and said he would cooperate with the NHL's investigation, which is my understanding that he is. So let me start with this. What were the allegations? This is serious business. So last Saturday night on Instagram, Anna Kane, she alleged that her husband, Evander bet on Sharks games, quote, with bookies and through games for gambling purposes. She also claimed that Kane had a gambling addiction and that was causing the couple hardship. In response, Kane posted on Twitter that he has never bet on hockey, including Sharks games, and he's never thrown a game. So right out of the gate, I mean, these are fireworks, right? So what do we know about Evander Kane's gambling? Now, he does, and it's admitted. He's admittedly uh, shared with the public that he has a history with gambling. He gambled openly on table games in Las Vegas casinos. And in April 2019, it was reported that he failed to pay 
a $500,000 casino marker from the Cosmopolitan while he was in town for a playoff series against the Vegas Golden Knights. I, rem- I might remind you that the San Jose Sharks came back from a 3-1 to deficit to win that playoff series. Now, a marker, a casino marker, is nothing more than an interest-free loan that a casino will provide one of their players if they qualify, and it's agreed upon that it's paid within a predetermined time frame. It could be 30 days, whatever. Now, the Cosmopolitan filed a complaint in November of that year uh, that Kane had failed to pay back this casino marker to the tune of $500,000, but the case was dropped by the casino in 2020. Now, those are facts. Now, in January of this year, Evander Kane filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Now, as part of his legal filings, he claimed to have lost $1.5 million gambling at casino uh, at, at casinos over a 12-month span leading up to his bankruptcy petition. And according to reports, Kane, who's done pretty well for himself at the NHL, he's got lifetime earnings of just under $56 million. He's three years into a $49 million contract with the San Jose Sharks, and he has $26 million remaining, <clears throat> but I believe he listed debts of about $26 million. So the question is, what the NHL is trying to determine, and this is the most important thing in terms of this story, is has Kane bet on hockey? And that's what the NHL's investigation is trying to determine. Now, it's my understanding many news agencies reached out to a few players who played with Kane, knew Kane, played against him, and none of them ever said that he they ever heard him mention anything about betting hockey. Now, did he like to gamble? Yes. Uh, but the players at, that were that spoke said they didn't believe he was actually betting on hockey players. And one teammates, one of the teammates of Kane, was sort of surprised to read the accusations that saying, "Well, he he knew that Kane liked to wager on football and basketball, etc." "Quote: I never once heard him say he bet on hockey." Part of the skepticism is that you know betting on hockey games to either casinos or bookies. That, that's not something that's very prevalent in NHL dressing rooms. According to people in the know, according to people who have, in fact, you know, had knowledge, personal knowledge of this. And, you know, several longtime uh, Nevada bookmakers from multiple casinos, they even admitted, they said they had never seen or heard of Kane betting on sports, sports in town. Now, there are lots of sports book options than just Las Vegas. Uh, There's legalized betting in 27 states now. And and there are offshore markets. There are illegal local bookies. And a lot of people who would offer a lot of anonymity than the the regular U.S. betting markets. And I guess in theory, if you really wanted to, you know, really wanted to let your imagination run, Kane could have employed somebody that's referred to as a beard and with that person who places bets for someone else. Here's one of the most important aspects of this story. What are the NHL's rules in regarding players betting on hockey? Now, the NHL has a collective bargaining agreement that has no gray area when it comes to this, okay? it's a, In the standard club rules section, the second item listed states, and I quote, gambling on any NHL game is prohibited, end quote. Now, that rule is also posted in every dressing room 
around the league. Same as in Major League Baseball. I've been in plenty of Major League Baseball clubhouses. And according to the NHLPA, now, now players are allowed to wager on sports outside of hockey, and they're allowed to live adult lives and go to casinos and play casino games. But Gary Bettman, he reserves the right to impose player discipline on anybody, any player, for violating an off-ice league rule, something other than the rules of play, or if any player is guilty of conduct that's, quote, detrimental to the welfare of the league or the game of hockey, the CBA can come down pretty hard on a player, and there are multiple forms of punishment, including but not limited to a fine that's only about $10,000 for a first-time offender, all the way up to canceling a player's contract with his team or expelling or suspending the player for either a definite or an indefinite period of time for the NHL. So the NHLP also has an assistance program that includes a hotline for players that if they need to confidentially connect with counselors for gambling addiction or anything. And it should be noted that if Andrew Kane is not the first NHL player to ring up significant gambling losses, the Pittsburgh Penguins had a legendary player you remember back in the day named Yarmer Yager. He once owed more than 500000 to an internet gambling site. That was almost 20 years ago. And uh, another NHL player, Thomas Vanek, he owed hundreds of thousands of dollars to a bookmaker for betting on football and basketball games. Uh, and, you know, these guys, they're, they're human, right? And in, 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 as far as the marker, as far as being sued for the marker for non-payment, there have been NBA players that's happened to. Um, Antoine Walker. I believe ran up a $750,000 marker, got arrested for a bad check, and ended up, I, I believe, receiving several years of probation and paying fines. So Evander Kane is not alone. What made these these accusations so salacious is that his wife made it look like he was tanking games for the purpose of winning, you know, his for winning in the gambling arena. I don't understand. Uh, I'm not trying to be funny here. I don't understand how you throw a hockey game. All right. I, I mean, he's going to skate about 20 minutes per game. I mean, there are certain position players in every sport who could really direct the influence of a game, like a pitcher in baseball or a quarterback in football, or maybe a goalie in hockey or a goalie in soccer, because their time in the game is not only significant, but if they make a mistake, it can directly lead to an opponent, you know, scoring points or scoring goals or runs or something. But, you know, you're 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 on the ice and off the ice two minutes at a time. There are line changes. A guy like Kane couldn't have nearly as much influence as a starting pitcher in baseball, who's got the ball in his hand every play. Uh, you know, Kane averaged about 20 minutes a game, so it's kind of hard to throw a hockey game. But I'm not trying to make light of this either. Okay, these are serious accusations as evidence uh, by the rapidity of the NHL in terms of their stepping in and wasting no time and not only making a statement and jumping right into an investigation, frankly, which could take a while. So, you know, I would say Kane has time on his side right now in terms of his status for the 21-22 season, but the expectation uh, by the NHL is that this investigation will be, you know, completed by training camp uh, in September. Uh you know, there's another, there are a couple other aspects to this, okay? The bottom line is hockey's a team game, and this to me seems like game fixing would, would need a complete team effort. 
I mean, how the bottom line, it seems unfathomable that, that, that one hockey player could do it alone. There would have to be some sort of conspiratorial effort. There just have to be involving damn near the whole team to pull off such a stunt, even just one time. In other words, you know, there'd have to be widespread agreement among the majority of the roster to, you know, do whatever they would do to produce undue influence on the outcome of the game. And for what? Who would be subsidizing this? These guys make a lot of money. What would be to gain? And there'd be a ton to lose. It should be noted, too, hockey doesn't generate anywhere near the amount of betting interest as football, basketball, or baseball in the U.S. Uh, in, in Colorado, one of the only states with a regulated betting market that tracks wagering on hockey, $73 million was bet on ice hockey uh, the last six months of the season this year. And in comparison, during that time frame, they took about $600 million in bets on the NBA. So, you know, the, and the NHL has a good relationship with the gambling uh, world. Uh, they've forged partnerships with DraftKings and FanDuel and William Hill and PointsBit and Bally's. Uh, they've been out of front of this. And so, look, the next thing is, is the NHL is going to continue to track this much more closely. And uh, hopefully this has... I almost said happy ending. Let's hope it has an ending in which there's not serious damage done and people's lives can continue. For now, the NHL is investigating. Evander Kane is cooperating with the investigation. Sounds to me like between him and his wife, Anna, the love has gone out of the relationship. So that may be a long shot uh, if uh, you are betting that they're going to get back together. But look, I'm no marriage counselor. I have no idea. I don't pry into someone else's business. This is a story you'll hear about more. But for now, it looks like it's being investigated. And as far as Evander Kane fixing hockey games, I'm going to go on a limb and say it probably didn't happen. But you just never know. Stranger things have happened. Coming up, let's bring in the crew because, listen, you cannot have a conversation these days without talking point spreads or bets or odds. And I want to reference one gentleman who's been denied access to the Hall of Fame for three decades now, and he lives here in Las Vegas. Is it time to allow this gentleman, as he paid his penance, to be considered for Hall of Fame induction? I'm Bernie Fratto. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Stick and stay. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Coming to you till 3 a.m. Pacific tonight and 6 a.m. Eastern. I was talking about Evander Kane and his troubles with the NHL, gambling accusations, did he throw games? His wife threw a series of grenades at him. Didn't help the fact that he has an admitted history with gambling. Had an issue with the Cosmopolitan Casino where a marker was allegedly not paid back, but that case was dropped. Recently filed bankruptcy. The optics have not been great. But for the most part, it starts to beg the question of a larger issue here because, let's face it, folks, legalized gambling is upon us. When PASPA was overturned in May of 2018, it's been a landslide. Currently, there are about 27 states that are offering regulated markets now. We believe that could top out at about 45 in a couple of years. So there's more opportunity than there ever has been. You can't hardly have a conversation without talking about point spreads, odds. And so, therefore, when a, a story of this nature breaks, it's, it's very salacious. Having said that, let's bring in the crew because are we going to start hearing more stories like this? And it also begs the other question. Pete Rose has been denied an opportunity to be reinstated so he could be a member or at least voted on to become a member of the Hall of Fame. Is it now hypocritical because Pete has paid a pretty severe penalty for 30 years, 32 years? And is it time to reconsider? Does it serve any uh, fruitful purpose to keep Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame anymore. Maybe it could even be a good thing, especially considering now that baseball, like the other sports, has developed partnerships with sports betting outlets. Chris Perfett, let's start with you. Is the Evander Kane story going to be more mainstream now or and or is Pete Rose, is it come time to put him in the Hall of Fame? So, as far as the Evander Kane story, I, I think it will become a little more mainstream just because gambling addiction cr- cuts across a lot of different lines. It's a part in a lot of different places, and there needs to be more awareness about it. And yeah, a lot of guys who play sports probably go out and gamble, like Michael Jordan has even himself 
is an avid gambler. And the more that these partnerships get penned between groups like FanDuel and DraftKings and William Hill or whoever else, the more that I think the media will focus on when they find someone who does have a gambling problem who also plays sports. As far as Pete Rose, I don't know if he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I I believe that Pete Rose has had his chance to argue his case. He's lost it. He he has admitted wrongdoing in the past, and he seems to live off of the victim status enough that it's just it's tuned me out. I have no strong opinions on on Pete Rose other than I'm kind of exhausted hearing him talk sometimes because it seems he's wanted his cake and eating it too when it comes to comes to the status on his outcast very much true except the big thing that's changed the sea change is the legalization of sports betting across the country and how could it be perceived chris as hypocritical now because baseball will benefit tremendously from legalized betting isn't there an irony there it is, but at the time, it was illegal. It's kind of like the situation where everyone we've been talking about with Reggie Bush, right? That name image likeness is now legal. And But everyone, when that was coming up, when everyone was talking about, does Reggie Bush deserve the Heisman back? Uh, there were plenty of people who would say that Pete Rose belongs in the Hall of Fame, also saying that Reggie Bush doesn't deserve the Heisman back. So I, I don't I don't understand that discrepancy. Like we're we're going to bag on Reggie Bush for what he did, which was illegal at the time. But Pete Rose, what he did was illegal at the time, but now it's legal that we're supposed to give him a pass. I don't see it. Well, I think what Reggie Bush did, uh, I'm not sure it's analogous. What he did back in 2003, where his family took money from an agent to buy a house, didn't pay back the money. Long story, then didn't hire the agent. Would have been a different a different situation from name, image, likeness. I think it still would have been a violation. Be that as it may, your point's taken. I just think that now there's a hypocrisy with respect to the fact the irony is baseball is going to you know, benefit from sports betting, higher TV ratings. All, there's all sorts of reasons, which I've talked about in previous shows on on straight out of Vegas, and then you ask yourself, okay, does it really serve any fruitful purpose anymore to keep Pete Rose out because he's already, you know, really sort of ruined the last 32 years in terms of his his public image? So what what is it? What purpose does it serve anymore? But I take you at your at your opinion, Bo Benson. What are your thought on thoughts on both subjects? Uh, I think it's only a matter of time until there's some athlete that is betting on their own games or or throwing a game. Um, I think with the Evander Kane situation, that's probably just a wife who doesn't know completely what he was doing, just that he was gambling on sporting events. And so she kind of like, because I, I know that's all part of a, a larger battle between them personally. Um, but I do think with the, the legalization of sports gambling, it's just inevitable that someone is going to be caught eventually doing uh, this this kind of stuff that Evander Kane is accused of. And, I think if you're going to put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, then you got to put Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame, and you got to put all these guys that you've been keeping out of the Hall of Fame for, for various rule breakings. So if you're ready to put Pete Rose in, then you got to put everybody else in too. Again, we have to question whether that's analogous because it's still not legal to take steroids, and it's still not legal to take performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, I, I get your point. Uh, we look at the steroid era, and I kind of made peace with that myself a while back, and that is if Barry Bonds was taking steroids and it never tested positive, never allegedly got caught, but come on, his head turned into a balloon. I, you know, you don't have to be Fellini to figure out the fact there was something going on there. It was never proven, okay, I get it. The long and the short of it is, though, the case I've heard is that when Bonds was 
in the batter's box, he was facing a player who might have been on the he, he was facing a pitcher who might have been on the juice, and the catcher calling the signs was on the juice, and the center fielder chasing down Bonds hit in the alley might have been on the juice. So everybody was on it, just he happened to get caught, and I think there was a higher percentage than people realized. But you you know what? Standards are standards, and I I, I kind of hear where you're coming with this bull. We're either going to have standards or we're not going to have standards, and it starts to open up a can of worms. So now do I think Pete Rose will ever be reinstated to where they would even vote in the Veterans Committee for him to be in the Hall of Fame? Probably not. As far as players getting caught betting on their own team, I will tell you that league security and these measures are so tight right now, and Las Vegas is very much in, and the betting regulated markets are very much in lockstep with these organizations to report anything undue, any odd sort of movement, point spread. A lot of records are kept, so it's it, it's going to be pretty dangerous for guy to risk that with not much reward but to your point you listen every we never thought we thought we'd hear about the evander kane thing either uh, brian finley what are your thoughts on both bernie i think it might be dangerous but i do think that as chris was talking about with the cross pollinization of betting and sports and how it's become like so much in harmony with one another, it is going to be hard to detect. I, I know you pointed out that some of the casinos and, and the, the betting windows are going to be really keying in on a potential foul play happening with professional athletes, but if if it becomes like we we see casino like stuff inside and I don't know how close we are Bernie but to seeing casino and, and betting windows inside like a, a baseball professional ballpark and not that far away exactly not we're not we're not that they, they have that in London right now yeah so I, I it just becomes cloudier to me and I feel like more and more people are I, I don't know if you have enough people to police all of this and that if it could be something where you're able to legislate it and I, I think it it might not become a big deal but under the surface, it's going to be be a huge deal, and unfortunately, I don't think there's enough people to to really find out what's going on for, per se. Well, there are a lot of electronic footprints, and if you could go to the Raider game right now and take your phone, and if you've got one of the apps, they offer terrific apps. You can bet right from there, right from your seat, and it's, there's nothing illegal about it. And there's, I guess, there's no reason a player couldn't have a shill do it for him but be that as it may you have to wonder the risk pete rose yes or no 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 because because it's not just he, he's been in other issues with the law outside of, of the gambling thing and I, I don't know the latest with that and i don't want to speak upon that but there are other things than just that that I know that he has been investigated for. So I'm, I, I appreciate him being open about it, but he has admitted that while he has betted on games, he's never bet on himself, on his team to lose. And I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe he did. And so he said all these things except that. So do you take all of his word for it, but say that he never betted against his team? Maybe he didn't. Maybe he's being honest with us, but I, I have a hard time thinking that he did all of these things in the betting world, but didn't do that. Uh, that's just my opinion. Fair enough. It's a highly charged subject, and the real question now is whether or not uh, it serves any fruitful purpose. I'm guessing that it's a incredibly it's a, it's incredibly long long shot that Pete Rose ever is in the Hall of Fame. And I would just say this. All I've ever advocated, because I've waffled on the subject a little bit, is that 
let the market decide, let the sports writers decide. If you merely reinstated him and put him on the ballot of the Veterans Committee and allowed the people who have Hall of Fame votes to vote, would they put him in? And I've done straw polls, and I still think the vast majority of writers would not, although there's a new young breed. He would get more votes than people realize, but I think at the end of the day, Pete Rose would still be on the outside looking in. Coming up, uh, is the name image likeness phenomenon already out of control and we're barely out of the gates? I'm going to explain in just a second. But first, let's go to the man who always reminds us that an apple a day keeps anyone away as long as you aim it at their head. It's Bruin Finley with the latest. <laughs> that is that is creative, Bernie. That is original. I've not heard that one before, and I might use that myself. Well, speaking of image, the United States is going to have the greatest image, the, the all-encompassing image of being the dominant force in the Olympics once again as the Tokyo Games come to a close today. When you look at the overall medal count, the United States has the most out of any other country, 113 compared to China at 88. And then the gold medal count specifically there is where the United States in the last couple days was able to supersede China and go to 39, which is one more than China. And that 39th came when women's volleyball took down Brazil in three sets to pick up their first ever gold medal. And then earlier, you had women's basketball for the Americans take down a team in Japan, 90-75. to 75. Brittany Griner was such a force inside. 30 points, 14 of 18 from the floor. She was unstoppable in the paint. Elsewhere in baseball, the Dodgers stuff the Angels 5-3 as Chris Taylor breaks a tie with a two-run double in the eighth inning. The Padres get out of a rut as they tame the Diamondbacks 6-2. You Darvish coming up with 12 strikeouts. The Giants nail the Brewers 9-6 in 11 innings. Brandon Belt had two home runs. One of them came in that 11th inning. And the Reds continue their rise up the standings as they overcome the Pirates 11-3. Jesse Winker had six RBI. And finally, the Red Sox and Blue Jays each take a game in the doubleheader. And Harris English is your leader in Memphis at the PJ Tour St. Jude Invitational. But don't get too comfortable up there because Bryson DeChambeau is only two shots behind after he threw down a 63 on Saturday. So, Bernie, as I send it back to you, Bryson has been in the news a lot recently, but he could be in the news for a potential win. At least he'll be focusing on that during Sunday's final round. And I'm sure Brooks Kepka is waiting with bated breath, but that's <laughs> yes. a story yes. for a different day. Bruin Finley with the update. Thanks so much, Brian. All right, first it was Alabama's Bryce Young. By the way, Alabama in camp as of Thursday. Nick Saban as the Tide look to defend their national championship. Now, Bryce Young is a fine young man at a modern-day high school in Southern California, an absolute football powerhouse. <clears throat> and he hasn't even started a single game for the Crimson Tide, but I think he'll start this year and he'll do quite well. And I, I just want to share this because the name, image, likeness, concept 
is most likely a good one, but I sort of had envisioned it as, you know, the uh, the the guy hangs out at the local car dealership, uh, makes some snow cones, passes out popcorn, gets pictures taken, signs a few autographs, tosses the ball around, shakes hands, kisses baby, makes himself a couple grand, and goes back to his dorm room and has some ramen or uh, studies for his chemistry final. Bryce Young has already signed deals using his name, image, and likeness that are worth more than $800,000, according to sources. However, Young has been presented allegedly, but hasn't accepted yet, best I can find, deals worth well in excess of $1 million that uh, some of those sources I understand told ESPN. Now, the bulk of Young's other deals are in the memorabilia and trading card space, including um, I think Leaf in, in Wild Card Onyx, etc. So here's a kid, great kid, by the way. He's very impressive. Bryce Young, modern day high school, has started this single game at quarterback for the Crimson Tide. And if you believe these reports, he's already he's already been exposed to about a million dollars in name image like this. But here's where it's flat getting out of hand. Last Sunday night, when I was doing the show from five to eight, I reported that news had surfaced uh, the week before that Ohio State was entertaining signing a top high school quarterback recruit. They wanted him to leave school a year early to join the Buckeyes football program. Now, this is a, you know, the, the, the name, image, likeness uh, ordinance is well underway. And I, this breaks new ground because I this, is, this resulted in a high school quarterback by the name of Quinn Ewers. As of last Sunday, he was contemplating skipping out of high school a year early to join the Ohio State football team. Now, Ewers is no slouch. Uh, he's the number one overall recruit and quarterback, according to 24-7 Sports. He played high school in South Lake, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas. He committed to Ohio State. He's been committed to Ohio State since November of 2020. He hasn't even entered his senior year of high school yet. He hasn't even entered his senior high school football season for South Lake Carroll in Dallas. And trust me, it's a stud school. I, I was at a high school football game in Dallas back in uh, 2004. South Lake Carroll played Denton Ryan. South Lake Carroll was, I believe, number one in the country. Denton Ryan was number four. South Lake Carroll beat him like 54 to 14. At that time, South Lake Carroll's quarterback was uh, Greg McElroy, you may have heard of Greg McElroy, went on to Alabama, won a national championship. His backup was a guy named Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel, is, that's his backup. Chase Daniel played at Missouri and played in the NFL. He might even still be on an NFL roster. That's how good the, that school is. But see, in order for Quinn Ewers uh, to stay, he wanted to be able to take advantage of a lot of money having to do with the opportunities he was getting already for name image likeness he's not out of high school that would have been contingent on the quote texas university interscholastic league allowing him to profit on nil otherwise he would just go ahead and leave for columbus now he only needed one more core english class to actually graduate this summer and enroll early at ohio state for the fall semester and when he was reached for comment he said you know he hasn't made a final decision yet this was as of last sunday he was leaning towards leaving and going up to ohio so he uh he can get comfortable with Ohio and Columbus and and start to learn the the offense. Translation, straight cash, homie. <laughs> Follow the money. Start hauling the money. And do you blame him? He's not. He's merely playing by the rules they gave him. Well, let's, spoiler alert, the next day, I reported this last Sunday. The next day, 
he he said uh, Columbus can't wait to get there. I'm on my way. You know, I don't know. They say Columbus discovered America. You were discovered Columbus, and I was going to be able to take advantage of that name, image, likeness opportunity and make a ton of money. So here's Bryce Young hasn't even started a quarterback. He started at quarterback at Alabama yet. Hasn't even started one game uh, as a as a Division One college quarterback, and he's already into this allegedly for seven figures. And now you've got Quinn Ewers, stud high school quarterback, hasn't even started his senior year in high school, nor will he be starting his senior year in high school. He's headed to Ohio State where he'll be able to take advantage of name, image, likeness. And I'm sure his parents are happy as well because this is an incredible opportunity to make seven figures off their son's name, image, and likeness. Hey, that's good work if you can get it. I am not in any way bagging on this kid. I am not in any way second-guessing his decision. But I am saying this. His name, image, and likeness potentially out of control because of the unintended consequences it may have. He's foregoing his senior year in high school. And I think when you try to fast-forward your life that way, it may work out. It may not. Be careful what you wish for. Sometimes you get what you want, but you are just simply not prepared yet to get everything that comes along with it. Only the rarest of individuals can take their talent and allow them to stay there where their character can't keep them. I'm not casting any aspersions on this kid. I just think we're on uncharted territory, and this is a talking point. Believe me, this is a talking point. Coming up, hey, Tim Tebow's in camp. They're talking about plays for him. You should know this, though. Tim Tebow is not the first lab rat experiment tried out by an NFL team. And by the way, I like Tebow, and I'm rooting for him. But I'm going to give you some names you may have forgotten that found their way into NFL camps. They might not have made the team, or maybe they did make the team. Spoiler alert, so stop picking on Tebow. It's not the first time this has happened. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. NFL teams are in camp, and you'll, you're going to start to hear more about Tim Tebow. It's my understanding uh, he's touching the ball in practice, not a quarterback. Relax, peeps. Relax, haters. But in various in the slot, in the backfield, at tight end, and they may even be creating some packages for him. And I know there are people that have lost their mind that this heresy that Tim Tebow could possibly be brought into camp by the coach who not only liked him, they had great success. And, uh, you know, the, the, the bottom line is they're going to figure out whether he can help the team or not. I just don't understand the resentment. I guess I kind of do. But let's not go down that road because – Tim Tebow is not the first guy who's been brought into an NFL camp as someone who would be considered unorthodox by conventional standards. You probably don't remember this, but if you're in Minnesota, I bet you do. Because back in 2004, Brock Lesnar, remember Brock Lesnar, the wrestler? He actually started telling people that he wanted to try to play 
pro football. And by now, he's already 26 years old at the time, eight years removed from his last high school game. But he had these crazy physical traits. He not only weighed 288 pounds, and he was also a wrestling champion, he actually ran the 40 in 4.7. Brock Lesnar actually had a 35-inch vertical leap. He also benched 475 pounds, squatted just under 700 pounds, and he had the kind of mean streak that seems to play well in the NFL. And those numbers I just gave you actually scored well, would score well if he had ever attended an NFL combine. So what happens? The Minnesota Vikings said, what the hell? They bit. He was a local favorite. He was an All-American wrestler at the U in Minnesota. And at the time, Mike Tice, who was the head coach of the Vikings, he wanted to, you know, spice up camp a little bit. And if nothing else, uh, you know, Red McCombs, you said, ah, why not? I'm, I'm into this wrestling sideshow. Let's give it a whirl. Lesnar actually, you know, played in the preseason. He wore number, I think 69 was his number. Somebody tweet at me. I bet, I guarantee you there's someone in Minnesota that remembers this, okay? And Lesnar not only appeared in more than one preseason game as a defensive tackle, and even I think he even got in on the kickoff team. But the most notable moment, though, was for some reason when the Vikings played the Kansas City Chiefs in the preseason that year, Lesnar got into like two or three fights in the same game. And at one point, he actually ripped off the helmet of one of the Chiefs players and after being sent to the sidelines, he, he, he like rallied the fans and got him into the frenzy. At the end of the day, Lesnar was cut because the learning curve in terms of learning what he needed to do legitimately to play for an NFL team in, in real football, the curve was too steep. He'd never played past high school, and although he was a physical specimen, hey, they gave it a try, all right? In 1982, a gentleman by the name of Rinaldo Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was a world-class hurdler on the 110-meter uh, hurdles. And he also expressed a desire to play in the NFL. And the Washington Redskins actually tried to sign him because they were familiar with him. Um, he was had been a student at University of Maryland, but... You know, give it up to Bill Walsh and the 49ers. They scooped him up and gave him a guaranteed contract. And he was going to just be a training camp receiver, right? They wanted to see what he could do. The only thing was, Nehemiah was pretty good. Even though he hadn't played high school football in five years, he had unreal speed. And they put him on the field. He, they'd learned very quickly he could stretch defenses. And much like his, you know, other football track predecessors who tried to cross over and play the NFL from after running track, which is a different ball game, he struggled with a lot of drop passes. But after after a while, and, and, and of course, early on, the pundit says, see, speed, so what? Lots of guys have speed in the NFL. They all have speed. And lead speed can't, you know, cover for inexperience. It takes more than speed. You know, birds can fly too, but they can't play football. However, he had a real turning point, had some good games. Nehemiah made the team and actually was a reasonably productive member of the San Francisco 49ers. But the all-timer was Bullet Bob Hayes back in 1965. 
Now, Hayes had been recruited to play football at Florida A&M, but he developed into an Olympic-level sprinter. Hayes was a world-class sprinter, and when he showed up in Dallas camp, he was the he was the the star of the camp. And unlike Nehemiah or some other track stars, Hayes could actually catch the football. Defenders couldn't stay with him. He could run short routes. He could take the top off a of defense. Bob Hayes. Again, started out as an experiment like Tim Tebow. He actually led the league in touchdown receptions in both 1965 and 66. His speed changed the way the game is scouted, changed the way defensive coaches started to create certain zone defenses to put a governor on speed. And actually, Bob Hayes, bullet Bob Hayes of the Dallas Cowboys, he sparked an intense scouting search for a second guy like Bob Hayes because he was that fast. By the way... You saw the Hall of Fame inductions tonight. Bob Hayes was actually inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2009. He finished his career averaging 20 yards per catch. Amazing. Bob Hayes was a track guy. I know that you know people laugh at Tebow. I'm not one of them. All right. Urban Meyer said he was an intense competitor and had guys coming at me. Well, everybody in the NFL is a condensed competitor. I condensed competitor. I know. And so is he. But at 6'3", 255, Tebow understands pad level, and I don't think Urban Meyer is running a circus here. I think you've got to give this a chance before you completely throw it away and throw it down the toilet. Let's see what happens. Don't be surprised if Tebow makes the team. Let's just see what happens. Coming up, our super conferences, the way of the future, we're going to discuss. I'm Bernie Fratto. Stick and stay. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Spot Fox Sports Sunday rolls on. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, two down, one to go. Of course, I'm joined by my crew back in Los Angeles at the compound. Bo Benson, Chris Perfett, Brian Finley, and Ricky Herrera. And they man the ship, as I just said, Department of Redundancy Department, Mar Los Angeles Compound. We continue rolling on, and the big conversation in college football is not whether or not Alabama can repeat. I don't think they can. I'm already on record as saying that I believe Chris Plank and his Oklahoma Sooners, they're going to win the national championship this year. Bama lost a ton of production, including quarterback Mac Jones. They also lost four coaches from the the offensive side of the ball, but this is the sixth time, fair enough, Sixth time that Nick Saban has entered a new campaign as the preseason number one, and in the previous six national championship teams, he did it with a total of 13 new coordinators, so this is not his first barbecue. But no one's talking about that. You know why? Two reasons. First, conference and super conference realignment has everyone in a tizzy. The SEC is expanded. There's conference realignment talk that is continuing and it's foolish to think based on people I've talked to that it's going to stop there. Oklahoma and Texas unless you've been living under a rock or on Mars Oklahoma and Texas confirmed recently what most college football fans knew was going to happen this has apparently been talked about for a while the Sooners and Longhorns formerly they are now going to be members of the SEC now I'm not sure when they'll join. It could be as late as 2025. I believe Chris Plank, they'll play a couple more years in the Big 12, and then they'll be moving on. Now you're hearing talk of Florida State and Clemson. Are they going to pack their bags and head for the SEC? You know, I, I know that the it's my understanding they even reached out to Ohio State and Michigan. Come on, they're not leaving the Big 10. Now, that's, now you're being silly. But there are plenty of arguments against the move plenty of arguments for uh there are arguments against whether or not florida state and clemson should do something silly like go to the sec when there are already hefty media rights contracts academic considerations the idea of sharing the state with another sec team regional rivalries that go back decades some in some cases 100 years and 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 the disruption of college football and the balance of power but i think it's coming 
the latest conference realignment news of OU in Texas, that's just the beginning. I, I, I think it's just the beginning. And when we look back in a couple years, how these things shake out and, and whether or not you're sentimental about Clemson, if they feel their long-term financial interests are better protected in the SEC, then dabble Sweeney and the Tigers, they're going to go. That's just the way these things work now. Years ago, you still call it the Big Ten because of trademark rights, right? But they've been they've had fourteen teams for years. I mean, they added they added Penn State back in ninety four. They had a Nebraska a few years after that. Uh, Notre Dame turned them down unceremoniously in the nineties, and I don't think the Big Ten has ever forgiven them for that. But the Big Ten picked up Rutgers and they picked up Maryland. Now, uh, Dan Patrick said that that was that was a failure. Now, I don't I don't agree. Now, Dan's right if you're talking about competitive football in the field. Rutgers has never had a great football team. Well, that's not so true actually. In the mid you know 2006 ish, <clears throat> that great uh, Greg Schiano had that great team with Ray Rice. I, I think they were ten and one or something. Uh, and Maryland's never really been in a great shakes. I mean, maybe you could give a wink and a nod when Frank Reich was there back in the day or Boomer Esiason. But you, you get you get where I'm going with this. Maryland's never been on the short list of anybody's great college football programs. So why did the Big Ten add them? Simple. You give them a TV market now where if you've got Rutgers in your conference, you've got a New York TV market. In Maryland, gives them a Washington, D.C. TV market. And I will tell you, there are more Big Ten alums living across this great nation than any other conference. You've got Michigan alums living in L.A. You've got Ohio State alums living in Washington, D.C. You've got Michigan and Ohio State alums living in New York City. You've got Northwestern uh, you know, graduates living everywhere. Same with Michigan State. Right on down the conference from Indiana to Illinois. It's a great conference. It's a great academic conference. When you add a New York TV market and you add a Washington, D.C. TV market, now you've got a TV contract where you're essentially printing money. The Big Ten TV contract is worth about $2.7 billion with a B. And it, I believe it terminates in 2023, and they're going to go back to the well, and they're going to get even more money. I don't know if the Big Ten is going to add any more teams, and I know there are rumors floating out. Instead of a Power 5 situation, you see a Power 4, four 16-team conferences. Chris Plank brought up a good point. Who would the, you know, who would the two more teams the Big Ten would add? I'm going to get to something in a, in a minute because two other conferences are already talking, but look, much has been said about the impact and the sudden changes that are starting to hit the college football world which is now dictating entire athletic programs and their universities. And it's become like almost unrestricted free agency for student athletes. And it's been that way for coaches, by the way, for a long time. But now, you know, it's becoming really, if you're an opportunist and you want to capitalize on name, image, and likeness, and these are these are very tantalizing opportunities and situations. And I, I, I know that these conference realignment moves are focused on money and the future financial sources of revenue. So what? I, I've, I've said a thousand times that a great college football program can fund the university's research for the chemistry department, which maybe you'll find a cure for COVID someday. 
Uh, I've often said that your college football program is like the front porch of your home. When you go to buy a home and you go look at the home, the first thing you notice is the front yard. Now, that may not be an indicator of the rest of the house, but it can create the image for the house that you want, and it could cause you to look further. It might make you more interested in that house. That's what a college football program does for these schools and their identities. They do very, very good things. And let's face it, the COVID-19 impact on budgets last year is a huge part of this. It, it, it only exacerbating long-existing tensions and long-existing issues uh, last year alone, I think Stanford had to cancel nine secondary sports, including women's sports. The COVID-19 aspect of what it did to college football is significant. And so part of the reason you're seeing a fast forward to perhaps even an expanded 12-team playoff, which I think you'll see happen within two or three years, it's already on the drawing board. You're going to see super conferences, which will change the scope and nature on how college football is presented. And might there be a, 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 a new world of haves and have-nots? We already have that. One of the things you still will have is that Alabama will schedule that game against Mercer. And Mercer will get a million-dollar payday or more. I know living here in Las Vegas, when UNLV went to Michigan and played the Wolverines in the big house back in September of 2015, it was a million-dollar payday. Two years later, UNLV went to Ohio State and played at the Horseshoe, a million-dollar payday. Those also fund very important athletic program issues, all right? So the moral of the story is Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC don't expect it to be an isolated one-off. And I think that the Big 12, people can say their existence is threatened today and you might wonder what their future is, but now I'm hearing, now I'm hearing that just this past week, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 met to have informal discussions about a possible merger and possible scheduling alliance. Now, this might be a pretty good move for the Big 12 if Bob Bowlesby could somehow get the remaining eight teams to merge with the Pac-12. Now, that would form a 20-team conference. And that you talk about a super conference. I don't know how that would work, but they don't leave it up to me to decide how that would work, so it doesn't matter. But I will say this. Last week, the Pac-12 commissioner, uh, George Kilikoff, said that his conference would, quote, prioritize opportunities to expand. And it looks like he's making good on that statement because, look, nothing is imminent for tomorrow. Nothing's a lock to happen. But I would say it would have to be fairly encouraging for Big 12 schools that the commissioners are openly talking. That being said, there's already been models on what a Pac-12, Big 12 merger could look like. Now, obviously, 20 teams would be much more difficult to navigate than the 16 teams the SEC is expanding to. However, if you could, you know, you might create a situation where you play your whole conference um, and, and that would be almost impossible. But if you, if you put together a Big 12, Pac-12 merger, here's, in theory, what it could look like. In theory, you could have a West Division and you could have an East Division. Now, I'm not making this up. These are documents I was privy to that I saw, and it's merely, uh, I think, an early template as to, in theory, what this might look like.
So in the West Division, you'd have USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Arizona, and Arizona State. In the East Division, you'd have TCU, Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, West Virginia, and Utah. So nothing real exotic about that. Utah would kind of move over to the East Division and the standard, you know, teams that are already already in the Pac-12 would remain in the West Division. Now, in theory, this doesn't sound that far-fetched that it could it could it could work out, okay? Whether this is good, whether it's an inevitable, whether it's good for the game, bad for the game, I simply think we are heading towards a college football model, almost like the European Super League, and it was opposed by fans when it happened, but the difference is that grassroots movement caught the attention of leaders from the world's biggest soccer clubs, and it stopped them in their tracks. Now, here we've got a situation where no one's stopping them in their tracks. It's an idea whose time may have come. There are sea changes in college football, major changes, about every 10 years. Remember a thing called the BCS? Well, that was born almost 20 years ago and had a quite a long run. Now you have the new 14 playoff, and now they're talking about expanding the 12 team playoff, and they're talking about expanding uh, with super conferences, and now we've even got name, image, likeness. We're not there yet, but college football is about to have its own SEC-powered Super League, and it's sort of the it's sort of a group of the wealthiest and most prestigious football programs. And you know, college the major powers are going to benefit. It remains to be seen if someone else is left behind. I think there's going to be a little bit more sensitivity than people realize, and there'll be things taken into consideration so that. This doesn't become a sham, but I will say this for now. Uh, if you're an athlete, if you are a three, four, five-star athlete, the days of traditional recruiting are over. Now it's about negotiating. <laughs> you're going to be negotiating because you're going to have options like you've never had before. Look, this is all about how the sports fans are going to react to this as well. And what might be some of the unintended consequences should these Super Leagues start to emerge with the regularity that is being proposed? Let's bring in the crew and talk about it because I know Brian's a UCLA guy. I'm not sure where I – th- I thought Bull might be a USC guy and Chris is a Big Ten guy. So they're going to have some things to say about this when we – Get to that point. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more. Discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You're back on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio, I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. And I'll remind you, are you tired of waiting around for hot water, choose Navian and get instant hot water for spa-like comfort while you lower your bills. Save hundreds on a Navian tankless water heater with local rebates at Tankless Made Simple. 
com. All right, guys. Super Conference Chatter is here. It's almost a reality. They're putting together the templates. Uh, Brian Finley, let's start with you because you're a UCLA guy. There was a time when UCLA would win Rose Bowls. UCLA was a dominant team in the conference. Could you envision a time when they're not even part of the Pac-12 anymore? Or how do you feel about these Super Conference concepts? Well, I think that what we're living on Bernie is we're living on and when it comes to college athletics we're living on the San Andreas fault because we know that we're going and we don't know when but we're going to continue to have some major shakeups and it's just a start here like you said one thing is going to lead to another and we've discussed this before but a lot of the Pac-12 schools are, are very high when it comes to their academic standards but if you consider how that might play into a decision you also have to consider that if you bring in some bigger name teams that you can add on from the from the Big 12 that you might help generate more revenue and also something to keep an eye on is that the Pac-12 is up for a new rights deal with their media properties here pretty soon so it's going to be interesting to see how that is going to play into things because what they have before you know a lot of reports out there that it hasn't been as great as they'd thought so by adding more teams it's all going to come down to money and I think that whether you like it or not, you're going to have to accept it. This is what we're going to see. It's going to be like 20 teams out. Maybe they call it like the Pac West or something like that. Yeah. But it, it's it, there, there's no hiding. There's no escaping from it now. By the way, the San Andreas Fault for the folks listening across the country and across the world. we got listeners in Australia, Ireland. They reach out to me. Uh, is a major fault line in California, and uh, it is always sort of this looming fear mm-hmm. that it could create the big earthquake in California that they've uh, sort of been watching over since the early 70s. Uh, but think about it, Brian. Uh, there was a time when Utah was not part of the Pac-12. Neither was Arizona or Arizona State. There was a time they were called the Pac-8. So to your point, it's sort of pragmatic. It's progress, uh, whether you like it or not. Now, Bo, uh, I know you're a big Dodgers fan. Uh, do you have a college team? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I my first sports memory is is uh, Coach Bob Stoops holding up that Crystal Trophy and Wow. So you're an Oklahoma guy. Yeah, my mom uh, mom has family in Oklahoma, so she's grown up an Oklahoma fan, and she passed that on to me. All right. So there was, by the way, there was a very testy. Uh, press conference in texas this past week and some of the folks were questioning in the state legislature why texas would would go to the sec they said aren't you tired of losing to tcu now you're going to go lose to alabama does that make it any better all right let me let's hear what you've got to say bull in 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 this manner the concept of super conferences yay or nay what are your thoughts unintended consequences um i mean i i guess i'm for it just because i think you know, this is always something that was going to happen, I think, one way or another. I mean, we're all old enough to remember the uh, the crazy Pac-16 rumors that went around for so long, uh, you know, a few years back. And, I mean, as someone with a dog in the fight, the last week and a half with, you know, it came out that Texas and Oklahoma were thinking about moving to the SEC. And then I think by the next day, it was like, oh, yeah, Texas and Oklahoma are going to move to the SEC. So, uh, you know, as the behemoth of the money and all that stuff gets out of control, you're, I think you're just going to start to see uh, these teams fighting to survive. I I have to assume that the Pac-12 and the remnants of the Big 12 will figure something out 
and then the Big Ten is just going to eventually eat the ACC and you'll have the SEC yeah. and, and the Big Ten ACC and the Pac-12 will be the outlier like it usually is now. Well, the rumors are really flying. I've heard rumors the ACC is going to try to recruit Penn State. The SEC, they may want Florida State and Clemson, who I just mentioned, or they may have their eyes on Miami, Miami of Florida, not Miami of Ohio, and North Carolina. Mac Brown's doing a hell of a job there. And you know what? If you're an SMU or a Cincinnati or a Boise State or a Central Florida or maybe even a Coastal Carolina saying, hey, I'm raising my hand. Take a look at me, man. You know what? Don't just don't don't uh, not invite us to the party yet. Don't don't be so quick to do that. All right, Chris Perfett, I know you're a Big Ten guy through and through. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, conference super conference realignment and growth? Well, I grew up in Toledo, right on the border of the biggest Big Ten rivalry out there of Ohio State, Michigan. Most of my family is Notre Dame, and I went to USC for my masters. So I'm all over the place when it comes to college football. I guess I look at the Big 12 and their situation is kind of unique. They were the sick man out there, and it was always Texas and Oklahoma to leave to go somewhere. It was just a matter of where. I don't know if I really buy into super conferences just because I don't think adding more really adds the quality. Like the ACC seems set with their grant of rights does not last until, I mean, it lasts until I think 2035. Uh, these other conferences seem in a decent place. So I don't I don't think that you just add teams and it just makes you a better conference, especially when we're looking at the remnants of the Big 12 and there's not a lot of good football teams on there. And the whole point of the playoff was to create this access that was not conference bound. But I will throw this out to you, Bernie, because this is an interesting thought I had the other day that the Rose Bowl seems unhappy with this idea that the college football playoff is trying to push them to become this you know, non-New Year's Day bowl to be used in earlier rounds. And what I would propose there is if you are going to form a super conference alignment out there, you could probably create something where the where the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, they're not in, like, say, a conference, but they have an extra game that is the winner of the Rose Bowl. So the Rose Bowl remains important and almost crowns this kind of champion between a pseudo-alliance between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. I think that could be very interesting. Well, as far as the Rose Bowl, which is always called the granddaddy of them all, it's from a bygone era in this. It would always be a, the Big Ten champ versus the Pac-10, Pac-12 champ. And it was always typically either Ohio State or Michigan and typically against USC or UCLA. But I remember Michigan would go out to uh, the Rose Bowl, and it didn't matter who they played. They, Washington kicked their butt in, in, in 78. Stanford beat them in, in 71. UCLA beat them in 83. U, USC beat them like a drum multiple times. That tradition, I feel like that ship has somewhat sailed in that the, 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 big, the Rose Bowl is still an incredible game, an incredible pomp and circumstance on New Year's Day. And I know people in Michigan marvel. They look out, they'd watch on TV, and it would be 78 degrees on New Year's Day and the Rose Bowl with the mountains draping over the stadium. It was quite a visual. I don't know how they can maintain the majesty of that game anymore, but still it'll be a game. And to your point, they don't want it to be earlier. I think one of the things you'll see happen – 
Super conferences are going to bring more money. Super conferences are going to bring more TV opportunities. You're still going to be able to create unique matchups and I think provocative matchups. I still think you're going to get the Ohio State versus Mercer so they can get their million-dollar payday. And at the end of the day, hopefully the revenue generated from this can start to make up for the losses of the athletic departments thanks to COVID. And one of the things, one of the good things that can come out of this, hopefully, is perhaps the Title IX sports that are typically the first to go, some of the secondary sports like wrestling, etc., tennis that have been eliminated in various schools can start to come back. And other athletes that are not in revenue generating sports will have an opportunity to participate again. That could be a good thing to come out of this. Coming up, I've got an amazing response from a topic I've done the last two or three weeks having to do with how profitable betting preseason in the NFL can be. It seems to fly in the face and be contrary to what people think, and I'm going to explain Well, that is further from the truth. But first, let's go to the man who's full of wisdom. He always likes to tell us, if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. But if life gives you melons... You might have dyslexia. Let's go to Bruin Finley with the latest. Thank you so much, Bernie. And you brought up a betting angle to everything. And there was one we discussed earlier about the Olympics. 46 and a half gold medals you had for the Americans. Now, they're not going to reach that as the closing ceremonies for the Tokyo Games are about to take place in about an hour and a half. Well, that was the betting line. 46 and a half over and under. And Fezzik. Go ahead. He had the under, which yeah. which I agreed with. Go ahead. Which you agree with. Yeah. So, yeah. And so it did go under, but the Americans do come out of this thing with the most out of any other country. 39 gold medals. China was in second at 38. They had the lead. And the last couple of days, the Americans slowly made their way up the standings and were able to surpass China. And the overall medal count, 113 for the U.S. China in second place, 25 fewer medals at 88. And that key 39th gold medal that put the Americans above China came in women's volleyball as they took down Brazil in straight sets for their first gold medal. Team USA Women's Hoops got a gold as well as they continue their remarkable streak of dominance globally taking down Japan 90-75 to and Brittany Griner had 30 points. The Dodgers deliver a W against the Angels 5-3 to in baseball. Chris Taylor Breaks the tie with a two-run double in the eighth inning. The Padres overcome the Diamondbacks six to two. You Darvish was pitching a gem on the mound with 12 strikeouts. The Giants are able to take down the Brewers nine to six in 11 innings. Brandon Belt busting out two home runs, and the Reds continue to make their crawl up the standings by taking out the Pirates 11 to three. Jesse Winker with six RBI. The Astros blank the Twins 4-0 as Houston right now holds the AL West lead by three games. And the Red Sox and Blue Jays each take a game in a doubleheader. Harris English is positioned atop the leaderboard of the PGA Tours St. Jude Invitational in Memphis. And he has a two-shot lead. He is at 18 under overall. Bryson DeChambeau right behind trying to close the gap. Just two shots back. He is tied for second place after DeChambeau flashed a 63 on Saturday as he worked the microphone back to a man in Vegas who 
I would say, Bernie, you could shoot a 63 in mini golf, right? Putt, putt, something like that. I think that would be game for you. I have trouble with a windmill, Brian. Oh, yes. <laughs> damn windmill. Is, it always uh, gets been... in the way. It gets in the way. Very true. That uh, I have trouble staring at that orange golf ball, too. <laughs> But that's a story for a different day. All right, that's Bruin Finley with the update. Thank you so much. Speaking of updates, I have gotten uh, an incredible amount of response from this subject matter having to do with why the NFL preseason is so profitable when it comes to betting. It's counterintuitive to what people think, but it's true. And if you don't believe it's true, then you tell me why the sports books in Las Vegas uh, the limits they, that they allow you to bet on in preseason games are far less than regular season games. And here's why. Because if you do your homework, the preseason offers both sharp bettors, recreational bettors, tremendous opportunity to make a lot of money. You just need to keep track of coaches who would rather win than not. Not everybody cares if they win preseason games, but some do. Scheduling issues. Trends, which I will refer to in a minute here, having to do with teams who are the returning Super Bowl champions, coaching tendencies, quarterback rotations, late week information. Here's the bottom line. You look at coaches first. Look at first year season head coaches first, meaning that was clunky first year season. That's not proper English. Coaches that are in their first season as a head coach, the NFL, want to win their first August home preseason game. Since 2015, first-year coaches in their first preseason August home game are 21-6 and six against the spread. That's a real number. Figure it out. They know they have expectations. They all want to show the owner, the general manager, the players, the fans, hey, I'm the right guy for the job. I'm going to set the tone early. That means I'm going to play to win in the preseason, especially And since there's only three games this preseason, it's more important to win early. And in case you haven't paid attention, there are seven first-year head coaches this season, and many of them will be making – I'll tell you what. I'm going to give them to you. you got Urban Meyer, Jaguars, Brandon Staley with the L.A. Chargers, Arthur Smith with Atlanta, Nick Sirianni with the Eagles. Hold that thought. I'm going to come back to Nick Sirianni. Dan Campbell with the Lions, David Culley of the Texans, and Robert Sully of the Jets. Like I said, 21-6 and six against the number. First home August preseason game since 2015. Now, this Thursday, Nick Sirianni, head coach of the Eagles, he will tee it up against the visiting Pittsburgh Steelers. The Eagles are a one-point favorite. There are a couple of trends in that game. You see... The Pittsburgh Steelers just got done playing in the Hall of Fame game against Dallas. It's typical for professional bettors to fade, bet against the two teams who played in the Hall of Fame game the following week. So you got a first-year coach coaching in his first August preseason home game against a team coming off the Hall of Fame game. Now, Mike Tomlin also likes to win in the preseason. We mentioned last week he's 36-21 and 21 now in preseason games. They won, covered, covered the two-and-a-half the other night against Dallas, but now they travel to Pittsburgh. Check that, travel to Philadelphia. I don't know who's nicked up, dinged up for Pittsburgh. We'll find out later in the week. You get this information. It's not hard. You'll see that maybe not everybody's even dressed. They don't want to have injury. They don't want to have a situation where they're limping into the season. So I don't expect max effort out of Pittsburgh this Thursday night. Since 2005, the most successful coaches in the preseason against the spread 
are Brian Flores of the Dolphins, John Gruden of the Raiders, John Harbaugh, incredible. Harbaugh and the and the Ravens have won 17 straight preseason games, and he's 16 and one against the number in those games. This is real. Mike Zimmer of the Vikings, 17 and eight. Pete Carroll, 25 and 14, just in the last 15 years. And when you've got guys like Pete Carroll and John Harbaugh, they are presiding over systems where they've got a lot of continuity. And Harbaugh, it's it never fails. He really wants to win in the preseason, and that's what you've got to look at. Some coaches want to win, some don't. That's what makes the preseason so intriguing. How often are you going to find a professional sporting event where you've got two teams, two combatants, two contestants, and only one really cares if they win the game, that's their agenda. The other one, not so much. They're concerned about other issues. Harbaugh is one of those guys that tries. Coaches that don't, Andy Reid couldn't care less. He's way under 500 in the preseason. Bill Belichick, same boat. Mike Vrabel of the Titans, those are guys you want to fade. There's something else you want to look at, quarterback rotations. Because if you've got a depth chart of quarterbacks, like for instance, in New Orleans, they've got to find a successor, a successor for Drew Brees. And they've got a depth chart of Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, Ian Book, and Trevor Simeon. Three of those guys have had significant NFL experience. Two are basically considered starters. You're going to march them out all four quarters. That's going to give you a decided advantage. You've got a better quarterback rotation than your competitor. Quarterback rotation is important. And the information on how the coaches will use them is paramount. And it's not hard to find out. Most teams will publicly say or post what their quarterback rotation is. Mark Lawrence's playbook is one of the great examples. He lists the quarterback rotation of all 32 teams. And it generally pays to play on teams with quarterback competitions on a solid depth chart. Here's another example. The Chicago Bears. Their quarterback rotation is Andy Dalton. Dalton's been to the playoffs. Dalton's say what you want about Andy Dalton. He's won 100 games in his career. Justin Fields. He's going to fight like hell to win the job. He hasn't played a game in the NFL yet. But you know who has? Nick Foles. He's won a Super Bowl. So you got a quarterback rotation there that's built to do well in the preseason. Got to take advantage. One final trend you want to look at. Teams that won the Super Bowl the year before don't much care about the preseason the following year. That would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As a matter of fact, in the last 10 years, teams who won the Super Bowl that laid more than six points in any of their preseason games, only four and 14 as a six-point favorite against the spread since 2011. Since 1983, 45 and 62. If you just blindly bet against that, you'd be 58% against the money. You can make all the money you want to make if you come in at 58%. So, what game does that fall? Uh, what, what, in what particular game does that trend match perfectly? How about week one? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers laying six points against the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. Don't worry about Burrow's knee. Cincinnati's going to be motivated to want to play hard in that game. They're going to be motivated to want to give an effort and find their sea legs. Tampa Bay's not going to care so much. I doubt Brady even sees the field. They're laying six points. It falls in that trend. The key, the bottom line is identify motivation. One side is typically going to care more if they win versus the other side. 
And I'm probably going to have to continue this subject matter because I've got more information about this as the season goes on, the preseason goes on. But just remember, the outcomes of preseason games rarely have anything to do with the talent on the field or the respective teams since the majority of the games are going to be played by second stringers, third stringers, fourth stringers. And remember, some coaches really care about winning these games. Others do not. Harbaugh, Zimmer, Brian Flores, Mike Tomlin, John Gruden, Pete Carroll, they care. Andy Reid, Mike Vrabel, Bruce Arians, Bill Belichick, they don't. Matter of fact, here's one more. The, the Kansas City Chiefs under Andy Reid, look, they're 2-23 and 23 against the spread in the preseason when they are coming off a loss and they are facing a team coming off a win. Just do a little homework and you will have a opportunity to do what you can't do sometimes during the regular season and that is find an edge where one team really cares if they win and the other team doesn't that's never going to happen in the regular season even in week 17 when perhaps the playoffs are decided trust me these guys are on film they might be fighting for a job for a new team the following year Uh -uh. they care if they win whether you believe that or not coming up if you're a Cowboys fan and you got a C or you're a Seahawks fan, I've got a couple of scheduling notations you're going to want to know about heading into this 2020, 2021 NFL season that is actually upon us. And I want to say a quick thing about the Tokyo Olympics as well. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We are back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Before I go any further tonight, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles for all your hard work. That would be Brian Finley. Chris Perfett, Bo Benson, and Ricky Herrera. Appreciate all the hard work you guys do keeping us glued together, turning all the dials properly so we can bring the show to a grateful nation. Before I get to the NFL scheduling highlights having to do with the Seahawks and Cowboys, among others, uh, I want to give a tip of the cap to the Tokyo Olympics, the committee, the country of japan however you want to characterize it or frame it Uh, they were under a lot of pressure uh there were a lot of groups that almost demanded that they cancel the games somehow they managed to pull it off i will tell you i enjoyed watching the olympics immensely the last two weeks yes it was a little different a little different than usual but so is society so is the time we're living in uh but i watched basketball I watched track and field. I watched swimming, gymnastics, you name it. I enjoyed every night kind of having it on in the background, locking in on certain sports. I'll miss it. I want to say this because I've always enjoyed the Olympics. Uh, Here's where the real tip of the cap belongs with respect to the Tokyo Olympics. When the athletes arrived in the compound, they performed over 500,000 COVID tests and actually had a total of 124 positives. It's less than 0.02% positivity rate. The Tokyo Olympics and the powers to be who presided over this international event 
which still to me has great pomp and circumstance and majesty. You can belittle it all you want. I'm not going to be one of those people. They proved that we could coexist simultaneously with COVID and still continue on with our lives. Yes, it's different. Yes, there are adjustments that have to be made, precautions. However, they didn't allow the world to grind to a stop. And I give top credit to all who were involved and made the Tokyo Olympics possible. Thank you. They're over now. But when they write the history books, they will be part of, obviously, the history of Olympics and my personal enjoyment. All right. If you're a Cowboys fan, you may want to know this. Since 2015, the Cowboys result on Thanksgiving. Watch that. It's correlated with their playoff fate every year. See, the Cowboys won on Thanksgiving and made the playoffs in 2016 and 2018. But they lost and missed the playoffs in 2015, 2017, 2019, and 2020. They went on Thanksgiving, Cowboys Well, maybe they're going to the playoffs. If they don't, they won't. This year on Thanksgiving, the Cowboys host, wait for it, your Las Vegas Raiders against whom the Cowboys are actually 2-0 on Thanksgiving. Dallas won the team's Thanksgiving Day matchups against the Raiders in 2009 and 2013. I have no idea if what I just said is going to make any difference at all, but you need to know these things. The Seattle Seahawks. If you're a Seahawks fan, you're going to be featured in a primetime game in three straight weeks in 2021, you Russell Wilson fans. Week 5 versus the Rams on Thursday Night Football. Week 6 versus the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. And in Week 7 versus the Saints on Monday Night Football. Now, the Seahawks were 4-1 in primetime games last season. Their only loss being a 37-34 overtime defeat to the Cardinals in Arizona. Can't wait for the season to start. And if you're a Colts fan, I talked about this earlier, they got a tough first eight games, winning percentage of 590. But if they can hang on, their final games are 38%. Come on, Carson Wentz, come back and make this season interesting. And it's going to be interesting between Urban Meyer, between Aaron Rodgers, right on down the line. I cannot wait for the NFL season to start. That is going to do it for this week's edition of Fox Sports Sunday. Up next, keep it locked right here for Andy Furman and Brian No. I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.